Yeah, hi, I'm, I'm Dale Perry, and uh, this week we're talking about a scripture that I've, uh, words to live by, uh, for me. It's uh, taken from Colossians 3, uh, 22 to 24. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do, not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord you are serving. So this <clears throat> scripture became alive to me about 40 years ago, early in my career at Bell. I had uh, moved away from home. I was uh, working shift work, missing my family, missing my friends. And uh, I, I asked myself one day, what, what is I'm doing here? What am I doing? And I remember over a period of time, this scripture became real to me. I'm not trying to serve Bell. I'm not trying to serve the people I work for. I'm serving my Heavenly Father. So from that point on, I always, always focused on doing my very best, the best that I could give to Bell not for Bell, but because I was serving my Heavenly Father. And what that did for me in over a career of 30 years was it enabled me to recognize that anything good that happened to me for, at Bell was as a result of a gift from the Holy Spirit, from, from my Heavenly Father. And uh, so to me, you know, I know I'm turning this into a business uh, message, but... Um, I think it's a great message for all of us. Recognize that we're doing our very best for our Heavenly Father, and that's all that matters. Well, welcome everybody. It's great to be back with you, and it's good to see uh, more people coming uh, every Sunday. Uh, Audrey, it's nice to have you here today. Okay. And uh, listen, I had a great vacation. I did a lot of uh, reading, listening to podcasts uh, that were very educational, thinking, planning, doing stuff I love to do, resting, uh, sleeping, eating, lots of good food, uh, driving in the highway with my wife, road trip. She's my driver. Uh, by the way, a little word of advice to husbands and wives is if you fight in the car about you know how to find a good parking space or you're driving too fast, you're accelerating, you're, you're braking too quickly, you're following too close, um, you know, that kind of a thing. I defer to my wife because she's a pickier passenger than I am. And she's a nervous passenger, and she gets car sick. I mean, she really gets car sick if she's a passenger and not a driver. And so she drives all the driving, and especially when we're on the highway. And so, thank you, dear. Uh, and are you smiling behind that mask? Okay. Anyway, I want to thank Dale Perry for that really great um, uh, testimony about his view of himself in the marketplace out there. And I know that he lives that. He means it from the bottom of his heart. So I want to give you a scripture, one that I think a lot of us just gloss over when we read our Bible. We just kind of, you know. But just think about what this says. This is 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Okay? Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So, when's the last time that you had a steak dinner and you felt like you were doing it for the glory of God? Every time, okay. You should, 
That's part of the reason why we give thanks when we eat, too, because we're doing it. But also, whatever you, so notice what he says. If you're eating, if you're drinking, whatever, the whole thing ought to be done in a way that glorifies God. Um, and he, then he says, and whatever you do. So there's a general statement. He says, it doesn't matter what you, if you're riding your bike, if, if you're, uh, if you're uh, shopping at uh, Costco, uh, if you're talking to a cashier, whatever you're doing in life, you do it all for the glory of God. And so what that really means is it actually means that all of life is sacred. It isn't just, okay, I'm in church right now. I'm sitting in a sanctuary, and there's a cross here that I can look at. This is sacred space. No, it's all of life is sacred. You know what? Wherever you walk, if you're a Christian and you, you believe in Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit, everywhere your footsteps is sacred ground, even if you don't know that it is. So here's the question is, how can I live in such a way that God is glorified in everything that I do and say? What attitude should we take towards the things that we do in this world, particularly our jobs? our careers, and the places where we volunteer. What should our attitude be? That's what Dale Perry was talking about. So before I became a Christian, I had a really good work ethic. I really did. I mean, it wasn't maybe as good as yours, you know, but I thought it was a pretty good work ethic, and I was a good student. I studied hard. I worked hard, and I've always really had this tendency, even before I was a Christian, that I wanted to give the best that I could. Um, When I became a believer, I had an added incentive to want to give my best in everything I was doing. And that was because of the glory of God. I said, God, I want people to see your glory in the way that I live. I want you to be glorified. I don't want to do anything at all that would dishonor you. Um, And so that means that even in the mundane things, the trivial things of life, I want to give my best. Even if the thing I'm doing is something I don't enjoy, I have mixed cement on the ground where you had the sand and the cement and the water dribbling out of a narrow hose, and we had to mix it with shovels because we didn't have a mixer. I hated that. But I knew I needed to give my best and have fun while I'm doing it. And I just I thought, i got to choose to do that. So here's the takeaway. If you don't remember anything else from this message, is every task has value in God's sight. Everything you do has value in God's sight when it's done for Christ. No exceptions. So what if the circumstances in your job are not ideal? What then? Should you quit? Should you switch careers? Maybe. What if others around you are not pulling their weight? Hmm. That even happens in church. I've heard, I've heard Christians in church complain about what everybody else is not doing. Or what if their attitude is wrong? What if you're feeling mistreated or overlooked, not recognized? Should that have any impact whatsoever on your attitude and the quality of your work? I think you know what the answer is. No. How much does God care about our attitude? and work ethic when we're on the job, when we're in the marketplace, outside of our ministry in the body of Christ. Does God care? Absolutely. So what does our work ethic look like? Can people at work, when you go to work, those of you who still have jobs and careers, even if you're volunteering at the mustard seed or whatever it is, 
Um, can people tell that you're a Christian by, by how you talk and by your work ethic? Do your attitudes and behaviors at work honor Christ? So today what we're going to do is we're going to study the Christian's responsibility in the workplace, and we're going to use that passage of Scripture that Dale Perry referred to. And it's just going to come up quickly, and I'm not going to read every word because Dale went through most of it. But basically, you notice here, he says slaves. He's talking to slaves because they had slaves back in the ancient world. He says, obey your earthly... Man. Like, he's talking to Christian slaves. He's saying, you're a slave, you're a Christian, okay? So make sure that you obey your masters and not just to curry their favor. And then the next slide um, basically says... Whatever you do, so slaves, whatever you're doing, work at it with all your heart, just like you're working for God. And then the next slide comes up. And he says, anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs. And there's no favor. God doesn't show favoritism. Okay, keep going. And then he says, masters, now he flips it. He says, masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you have a master in heaven. So that's really the essence of the passage. And I just want to unpack this a little bit. In this passage, Paul is talking to slaves and masters, and I really need to say something because some of you are already distracted and you're thinking of cancel culture. You're thinking, well, we need to cancel the Apostle Paul because he didn't, he said slaves obey your, he, he should have gotten out there and abolished the slave trade. That's what he should have done instead of saying slaves obey your masters and masters be good to your slaves. Well, slavery was common in the Roman Empire. Did you know uh, there were about 60 million slaves in the ancient Roman Empire. That was about half of the population of the empire. But slaves were people of all strata of society. They were teachers. They were doctors. They were artists, musicians. You name it. They have all kinds of occupations. Some people were born into slavery. Some people, because they had debts they couldn't pay, sold themselves into slavery until they could pay their debt off. Others were just taken forcibly into slavery. But a large number of slaves became Christians. And you know why a lot of them became Christians? Because they understood the message of the Bible, of the gospel, that in the sight of God, we're all equal. God doesn't see slave or free. He doesn't see male or female. He doesn't. We do. He doesn't see high or low, rich or poor. He doesn't see skin color. We're the same. And what God looks at is not the outward appearance. He looks at your heart. And so people who were marginalized in the ancient world, women included, but slaves, they were attracted to this message and said, you know, in the church, there are no dis distinctions. And so what Paul was doing is, he knew in the ancient world, he, he had probably no hope at all of changing the institution of slavery. So what he did is he needed to, did the best thing he could. He said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on the heart of people. I'm going to say, look it, you're a Christian slave. You're a Christian slave owner. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to be, I want you to do what is right. I want you to do what is fair. I want you to treat people the way you want to be treated. I want you to treat people with respect and dignity, whether you're up here or whether you're down here. And so 
Let's not be hard on the Apostle Paul. Well, by the way, William Wilberforce, 1,800 years later in England, was the youngest member of parliament, I think still to this day, in his early 20s, and he gave decades to abolish the slave trade in the British Empire, a young Christian, and he, his, his efforts to abolish the slave trade in the British Empire were fueled by his Christian faith. And so even though Paul didn't and probably couldn't have done that, he inspired it, what came 1,800 years later. And so what's interesting about this passage, and I'm going to use the word reciprocity. You guys all learned that in grade 7, right? Reciprocity? Grade 5. Okay, well, you were in the advanced class, Audrey. Okay, but basically there's a, there's a reciprocal relationship here between the slave and the master. Did you know that in the ancient world, in the social contract of the day, the slave had all the responsibility to obey the master, but the master had no, had zero responsibility to do anything for the slave. Did you know that children, women, and slaves had absolutely no rights at all? But now the Apostle Paul's appealing to these slave owners and saying, you know what, you, you know, constitutionally, so to speak, legally, you don't have to do anything for your slave. But I'm appealing to you as a Christian who has the Spirit of God. Follow the example of Jesus and do the right thing and be good. And so Paul asks two things of the slaves and the masters, a right attitude and a right behavior. Attitudes influence behaviors. And so he begins, though, by dealing with the conscience of the slave. So I already mentioned the slave had not only a low status, basically had no status legally. Uh, they were, slaves were viewed as chattel. Uh, slaves, women, children were something that the head of the household owned. You know, I've got the dog, the cat, the furniture, the wife, the kids, and the slaves. You know, you owned them. So slave had no human rights. You know, today I hear everybody talking about their rights. I have a right to not do this and to not do that. And I don't have to, and you know, and I hear Christians talking that way. You know what, you have, no, when you became a Christian, you gave up your rights. And I'll give you scripture for that. And I will, I'm going to be really honest with this today. It disappoints me when I hear Christians getting angry and shouting and talking mean about their rights. I'm saying, read your Bible. And if you want to know more about what I'm talking about when I say that, please ask me. Because you gave up your rights. Jesus gave up his rights when he emptied himself. He became a servant and went all the way to the cross. And they yelled at him, screamed at him, punished him, beat him, put a crown of thorns on his head. We have one up there. And he said he did not open his mouth. If you think that's weakness, it's not as meekness. And that is strength. So they had no charter of rights and freedoms. They had no workers' union, workplace norms, labor laws, no rules for safety in the workplace. It went on. But it wasn't unusual for a master, whether the master was a Christian or not. Sometimes some masters were kind-hearted, and, and they did treat their slaves with kindness and generosity. Some did that. Not because they were told they had to, not because it was the legal thing to do, because it was the right thing to do. And so here, Paul says to these slaves who have no rights, he says, I'm calling you to obedience. That's what verses, verse 22 is all about. 
verse 22. And he said, not obey your masters, not just when their eye is on you. You know how uh, when the cat's away, the mice will play, and, you know, say, hey, uh, the, the lead hand's not here. Let's, you know, do this instead. Let's play video games or let's, you know, whatever. No. Guess, guess who is watching? Your Lord. And who are you going to give an account to one day? The Lord. And he said, so don't do it just when their eye is on you to curry favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. So here's the takeaway again. Every task that you have, every role that you have, every task has value in God's sight when it's done for Christ. No exceptions. Here he talks about obedience that is sincere. And I'm going to show you a little image here. You see this piece of pottery coming up here. I think, yeah, there you go. Uh, do you notice anything about the piece of pottery? Anybody? Notice anything about the piece of pottery? It's got a crack in it. And so it's interesting. The word sincere, when we talk about being sincere, comes from the, the, the Latin word sincere. Okay, so it's very close to the English. And what it really means, sincere means without wax. So if you made some pottery and you wanted to sell it in the marketplace, and you're going, uh-oh, there's a crack in it, what you would do is you could take some wax and if you're really good at it you could mask the fact that it's cracked and sell it at full price he said don't be like that you be without wax be without wax don't try to fool people and don't try to be sneaky don't be lazy and so on and so here he says in this passage verse 22 he said obey your masters not just to curry their favor but he said, do it out of reverence for God. Um, not because of fear. Not because you're afraid of, you know, losing your job or getting punished or balled out on the job. Just because you love God. And so now it becomes a, an act of worship. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 19, the Apostle Peter, he agrees with the Apostle Paul who wrote this, by the way. He said, even... If your master is harsh, your boss at work is harsh, they're mean, they're not fair, and the workplace is toxic, he says, do the right thing because you're conscious of God. You're going, okay, God, you're in this situation with me, and I trust you, and I'm doing this for you, not for that jerk. <laughs> I'm doing it for you. And so that attitude brings dignity to everything that you find yourself doing, whether it's sweeping, mopping, cleaning toilets, grading papers, preparing a presentation, whatever you might be doing, it is all holy. It is all sacred. It is your spiritual act of worship. I've got a great quote for you that my wife found for me. Thank you, Colleen. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, civil rights activist, he said, quote, if it falls to your lot to be a street sweeper, <laughs> sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures. That's how you ought to do it. He says, sweep streets like Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets so, that, so well that all the host of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well. <laughs> sweep well, don't sleep well on the job. Anyway, I heard about a sign 
above a kitchen sink, and the sign above the kitchen sink said, divine service is held here three times daily, doing the dishes. But you know what? If you're doing it and you're grumpy and you're, you know, like, sorry, you just forgot that it was sacred, what you're doing here. So that's why I love that 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether you eat or drink or do dishes or clean toilets or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Because every task, every role has value in God's sight when it's done for Christ. Amen? No exceptions. So here's the question I'd like you to ask yourself. How can my place of employment or place where I volunteer become holy ground for me? The Apostle Paul calls the slaves and he calls us as employees or people who work for somebody else, to excellence in service. Look at verse 23. He says, whatever you do, now again, there's that general statement, whatever you do, whatever you're doing, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So, how many of you are going to go to a workplace or a place of volunteerism tomorrow morning? Anybody? Who? Anybody? A few of you, not very many. It looks like our giving is going to be down. Okay, okay, just kidding. Okay, but those of you that do, let me ask you a question. Who are you working for? Somebody says, well, I work for IBM, or I work for TELUS, or no, you don't. I mean, you do on a human level, but really, ultimately, who do you work for? I work for Jesus. I work for the Lord, and I work for his honor. So work at it with all your heart. It's working for the Lord. That, so what's, one of our core values is excellence, and it's we give our best. In the church. So we've been focusing on the church life. Like our core values, we give our best. And everything we do, we give our best. Sometimes our best isn't good, but it isn't because we didn't try to give our best. But we're just human. Things go wrong sometimes. But we give our best. But that applies to when you walk out of here into your mission field and you're in the everyday world, you give your best. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now, um, so... I am going to start a series next week, so it's called Worldly, no, it's called Wisdom, uh, something like this, it's called uh, Timely Wisdom uh, for, oh, hang on, hang on, just get, give me a second here, I got it, okay, Timely Wisdom for a World in Conflict, we have a world in conflict right now, and because of social media and just everything, you know, it, it, we're like, oh, what's going on in our world, and everything's so polarized, and so I, I've got a series I'm doing, so I'm going to do two parts, July 4 and 11, and then beginning August the 15th, right through the Labor Day weekend, I'm going to take the next part of that series. But next week, I'm going to start on Romans 13, which is about, you know, obey your earthly authorities, the governing authorities. I'm going to talk about James Coates. He's the pastor Abbott that went to jail. I'm going to tell you my opinion about that. So, and I'm not trying to get political, but all I'm going to do is I, I am really, really concerned, folks, People, we do not understand Romans chapter 13, Romans chapter 14, and the first seven verses of Romans 15. Often, too many Christians do not understand what the Bible teaches. I don't know how we gloss over that, but it's not taught maybe enough. But I'm going to do some teaching. And uh, so stay tuned for that. And I'm just doing this to try to um, pique your curiosity a little bit. But it, here's what happens. Somebody would say, you only have to obey authorities who themselves are obedient to God. Sounds good, right? No, it's wrong. 
That's wrong. That is absolutely the wrong statement to make. Jesus, when he said, you heard it, it was said, Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. If somebody takes your shirt, give what? Your coat also? Mm-hmm. He said, if someone says, forces you to go one mile, you say, oh, I'll actually go the second mile too. You know what he was talking about? In the ancient world, a Roman soldier could come up to me, and, and, and if I was just like a, a, a marginalized person, a Roman soldier could force me to carry his luggage one mile. But then what Jesus said is, not only should you do that, even though that person is wrong and is bullying you, not only should you do it, but you should go the extra mile. Why not go the extra mile? Jesus said we should. We don't just obey authorities and submit to authorities that themselves are submitted to God. So I'm going to talk more about that starting next Sunday. But that's what Paul's saying to slaves. Folks, we often get this wrong because we're, we're not listening to the right teachers. And I'm not saying I'm right on everything. I'm not. But as a pastor of this church, I need to speak the truth in love. So Jesus taught us that. So that means for me, if I, so I, I'm getting close to retirement, and, and I thought, you know, uh, if I end up being a Walmart greeter in my retirement, I want to be the best, friendliest Walmart greeter that I can, just like this guy, you know, or, or this guy, you know. I, I want to be the best. I want to be like, you know, I, I will be channeling Pastor Blaine the whole time. I'll be like, what would Pastor Blaine do? <laughs> I would. I would be. I actually do that now, Blaine. He's sitting over here. But I would. I would be saying, I want to give my best. I know you do. And so, there's dignity in work. Not just church work. Everything you do, there's dignity in it if you see it that way. And so, the Apostle Paul says this, Titus chapter 2. This is another. He says, teach slaves to be subject or submit to their masters in everything to try to please your masters, not to talk back to them, not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted, slaves, that you can be fully trusted, so that in, listen, so that in every way you will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. What's the end game here? Why do you need to give your best in the workplace, in the marketplace? To make the message of Jesus attractive to those who need to know him. Because you're on mission in that place. And so in the same way, as slaves to masters, he's saying employees to employers, whatever, make the teaching of Jesus attractive. Don't be lazy. Don't be argumentative. So whether you're a teacher, a business person, a medical doctor, a blue-collar worker, a retail worker, service industry worker, a homemaker, Do it all for the glory of God. Give your best for Jesus out of reverence for God. So here's how that can play out in the workplace. When you're asked to do something, don't be lazy about it and don't procrastinate on it and do it at your first opportunity. Go beyond the call of duty. Give the extra effort. But do it for Christ. And... Even, I was just talking to somebody the other day that I had breakfast with and talked about, he said, I wake up in the morning grumpy before I go to work. 
And I said, why do you wake up grumpy? And he says, because it's so negative and toxic in the workplace. Everybody's talking. And he mentioned a supervisor at work that nobody likes, apparently. And I said, we're all talking about her all the time behind her back. And it's negative. And he said, it's just, and he said, but you know what? And this is a person who's a Christian who said, I often join in. I said, how do you feel about that? And he said, not good. I shouldn't do it. But it's so easy just to, well, who are we working for? Not for that supervisor. And so every task has value in God's sight when it's done for Christ, no exceptions. And so here in this passage, the Apostle Paul gives them a reminder to keep the end in mind. He says, remember, you're going to get a reward one day from the Lord if you remain faithful. Look at verse 24. He says, you'll receive an inheritance. You know what? Slaves had no promise of an inheritance. Now, as an employee, you probably do. You might have like a, you know, you, you maybe have a benefit plan, and you've got, um, you know, all kinds of things that, that, that they give you for retirement and, and that sort of thing. So he's saying, even if it's toxic and even if your boss is unfair, you still give your best. And so then there's, he says, he reminds them too, there's consequences for rejecting what he's saying here. Verse 25, if you do wrong, guess what? Then you suffer the consequences. So don't do that. And then the Apostle Paul appeals to the conscience of the slave master. Look at verse 1 of chapter 4. He says, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because remember, you're also under authority. And you have a master, Jesus who's in heaven, and you will have to give an account to him. And so I said this earlier. Slave masters had no obligation to be good to those under their authority. They didn't have to. They didn't have to be good to the slaves. But he's saying, you're a Christian. Do the right thing and do it for Jesus. Do what is right and fair. Treat them with human kindness and generosity. The apostle Paul reminds a man called Philemon who was a slave owner, and he was a Christian, and he had a runaway slave, Onesimus. And he writes this, and look at it. This will come up on the screen, or at least a part of it will. He's, he's, he's saying to Onesimus, the slave owner, he said, perhaps the reason Onesimus was separated from you was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave. Look at this. As a dear brother. Receive your slave back. Don't punish him for running away, but receive him back, not as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Like he's saying, he's appealing to his attitude. And so here's the question I want you to ask yourself. Are my attitudes and behaviors at work a good representation at, of Christ? If you're the boss, if you're the employee, are you a good representation of Jesus Christ? So here's some core values for you if you're an employee and working under somebody's authority. These are core values of our church. We have seven core values. We give our best, and we act with integrity. I preached on those. In the church, we give our best, we act with integrity. But in the workplace, marketplace, we give our best, we act with integrity. And so, Jesus himself demonstrated this for us in the way that he lived. And I'm not going to go into those scriptures that I have slides for. I'm going to skip that. I want to just talk about the employer. If you're a person in authority, whether it's a volunteer organization or whether it's the workplace, here's two core values for you, and these are core values of our church as well. We give our best, same one as before, 
and we put others before ourselves. Any boss, any leader, any supervisor, any manager should say, I put others before myself. I'm going to give the best that I have to give to those who serve under my authority. You see, every task has value. Every job, every role has value in God's sight when it's done for Christ. No exceptions. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead us in prayer. And I just want you to, if you, you, you don't have to close your eyes, but I want you just to uh, just get rid of any distractions right now. And I'm going to ask you, what is God saying to you? Because um, the way the Lord works is he, he's not, Jesus didn't come and Paul the apostle didn't come to change human institutions. But he came to change the heart. To work on the conscience of people. To become more like Jesus. And so if you're an employee right now, and let's say you don't like your job so much, or you don't like certain tasks, or it's toxic or whatever, would you say right now, Lord, I am going to serve and work wholeheartedly from here on in. I'm going to give the very best I've got to give. And I'm willing to go the extra mile. Forgive me, Lord, when I haven't done that. Forgive me when I've complained. Forgive me when I've been lazy. And if you're an employer or someone who oversees others, would you say right now, Lord, help me to be kind, to be fair, and to be generous, and to also go the extra mile to take care of those under my authority, the people I lead, to see myself not just as a leader but a servant. And Lord, help me to keep the end in mind, to think of eternity, and to know, Lord, that if I am faithful, there is a reward, there is an inheritance waiting for me, and it will be worth it. Lord, help me to see everywhere that I go, every place where my feet step as holy ground. Every task is sacred before you. May it be my spiritual act of worship. May I see my workplace, the marketplace, as a mission field to make the gospel attractive to those who don't believe. And so, Lord, may I give my very best for you. And I'm just going to give you a little action plan here right now. If you resonated with that prayer and if you said something along that line with me, here, I'm going to ask you right now. What is one behavior that you can change this week in the place where you volunteer or the place where you work? What's one behavior that you can change this week? What's one thing you could start doing that you haven't been doing that you think you should be doing? Or, or is what is one thing you need to stop doing that you shouldn't have been doing? Can you think of that? And say, Lord... I'm going to do that thing. I'm going to stop doing that thing because I know I serve you. Give me grace to see every task, every role as sacred because I'm doing it for you. Amen. Um, I want you to watch this. I was getting pretty frustrated with that spiritual search and one of my brothers basically said it was time to take a leap of faith because it was impossible for a person who has a finite 
capabilities compared to an infinite God to be able to understand infinity in order to make your decision. That made a lot of sense, and I committed my life to Jesus Christ that night. They responded this way. They said, well, Ed, you, now that you made the most important decision in your life, you need to decide what you want to do with it. And he said, okay, as a new Christian, what would you counsel me to think about? He said, well, are you interested in serving the Lord? He said, absolutely. He said, well, that means that full-time Christian ministry. Being a new believer, I didn't know what that meant. So I said, well, define full-time Christian ministry for me. Their definition was, you should go on to be a pastor or a missionary or a parachurch worker, and they really help you, your next step ought to be going to seminary. I said, well, what's the alternative? And he said, well, here are two things to think about in the alternative. The alternative is, then you go out to the secular world where you're not gonna make much of an impact except to make sure that you tithe so you can fund the people who are actually doing full-time Christian ministry. And every now and then, if you get a chance to share the gospel, that would be great. Somehow that wasn't resonating with me because even as a new Christian and reading scripture, there seemed to be a disconnect there. Well, after we talked, I ended up being more confused than ever because here I heard from a lot of people, this was the path. But yet when I looked at the Bible, the Bible said something completely different. And it wasn't until, you know, so I graduated, I ended up taking a secular job. And the most interesting thing about that was that weekend, after my first week of work, I was walking out of the church that I was going to, and I saw my boss's 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 boss walk out of the church at the same time. He was the guy who gave the new employee seminar to all the new employees. And I went right up to him and I asked him, how long have you been a Christian? He said, for about 25 years. And I said, how long have you been in the workplace? For about 20 years. You have, would you please uh, mentor me on how to integrate my faith into my work? And the most important lesson that he taught me during his lifetime was that all Christians, without exception, are called to full-time Christian ministry. But full-time Christian ministry isn't defined specifically as being a pastor, missionary, or parachurch worker, but it's wherever you dedicate whatever you're doing to glorify God. And so you can do that in the workplace. God considers that ministry and worship. My name is Ed Moy. I had the privilege of working in the White House from 2001 to 2006, and I served as the 38th Director of the United States Mint. I'm also a follower of Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? Didn't you like that? The 38th Director of the United States Mint worked in the White House, and it's all for the glory of God. He said, I'm in full-time Christian service. It's all worship. It's all sacred. Wow. Gotta love that. Thank you, Colleen, for finding that for me. She's become my researcher at home. I say, I need something for this. Uh, can you see if you can? Anyway, thank you. My sermons wouldn't be anything without her help. Um, so let me just end with this. It's 11 o'clock. Um, we have started some podcasts in our church, and this is kind of a regular thing. Myself and two of our younger uh, men in our church, Ryan Sia, who happens to be our 
our treasurer and our accountant, he and his wife, and Shamal Ranasinga, who's a board member, have been doing these podcasts dealing with current issues. Um, and, I, and I wanted to do this because uh, there's some things that I, I don't know would be appropriate to preach about really specifically on a Sunday morning. Uh, the purpose of Sunday when we preach is to preach God's Word. And, but sometimes we have to address certain current issues, uh, political issues, social issues, you know, but sometimes we address them more obliquely in a sermon. This is a way we can get into it head on. And you might kind of like, I wonder what Brian really thinks about this or that. I wonder what our pastor thinks. I wonder what our church board thinks. I wonder what, you know, uh, so you can listen to these podcasts. So we've done one on the whole idea of freedom and, and when, when should we be willing to give up our freedoms and our rights and when not. Uh, we did one on culture because there's just a whole bunch of stuff. There's culture wars going on right now. Did one on that. Uh, we've done, we, we just did, recorded one last Thursday on the whole, um, those, the graves that were found in Kamloops and now in Saskatchewan uh, and just indigenous uh, peoples and all of that. We've done one on that and what should the proper response be about that. Uh, but the one that was just posted just the other day is... is um, I think that's the one that's on culture. Yeah, we did one on media. We did one on the culture. Here's what you need to do if you want to listen to these. And you could do it when you're out walking, driving your car. Just go to our website, firstnaz.ca slash, uh, hang on. I had it. So that's why I opened my phone. Oh, yeah, slash podcast. Okay, just go to firstnaz.ca slash podcast, and they'll come right up there. You'll see them, and you can just listen to them. God bless you all. And now... The benediction is, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And all God's people said, thank you.